You're listening to the Corporate Expat Experience. Hello again. I'm very excited today for very special guest, Luisa Milano, who is a business mentor and mental health advocate is joining us today. And I cannot wait for this. We're going to have such a great conversation. Luisa, welcome. Thank you for joining today. So happy to have you here. So Luisa, share with us a bit about what you do and who you work with. What I do, it's always fun because it comes out a little different each time, but essentially I work with purpose-driven entrepreneurs who are in the midst of an up-level. They're visionary and they're dreaming big about the next level of their business, but struggling to translate it into action. And so there's resistance that's coming up. There's just impedance, right? They, they have a sense of where they want to go, but there's something holding them back. And so we look at things through the lens of very practical, of a business model type lens. And then we look at more of the, like the spiritually aligned, what is your energy? What's working? Where might there be some energy blocks and energy leaks that are holding you back from moving towards what you want to do? That's so interesting and such important work. So you didn't always do this. Tell me a little bit about what you did before you started your business. Yeah. So I worked at Aero Electronics, which is a Fortune 132. I think there are maybe a Fortune 4 at this point. Really large organization, global. And I ran North America recruiting. So we had about... 2,200 hires annually on my team. And we had a um, hybrid model. So it was partly in-source and partly outsource. So we had all of those partners. My span of control was about 48 people. And I worked with them for almost eight years before I took the leap into entrepreneurship. Wow. And I definitely want to talk about that leap. That role is very intense, I can imagine. Yeah you know, working for a global company like that. I, I, I understand that definitely. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners can understand that type of role and being in that situation. Um, and I'm sure you loved your work. You probably worked with some great people. It was an incredible HR team. You decided that you wanted to make a change. I did. Yeah. So being promoted to the director of recruiting was my dream job. I will never forget When I joined the organization in 2009, I reported to the director of recruiting. And in the first probably 30 days, I remember sitting down and she was, it was basically me and her. We built out the function of recruiting when I first started. And I was like, let's roll up our sleeves and let's, let's, let's do this. Right. It was a very small team. It was a team of about five and we ended up 48 um, very shortly. And I remember sitting down and watching her talk to me about this initiative. And I said, I want a job. I want to be the director of recruiting. And six and a half years later, I was in the role. When I got promoted to the role within 90 days, it was really interesting because the feeling that I had of, oh my gosh, this is my dream job. This is incredible. This is amazing. Um, went away. And I just was left with the the fire hose and the biggest fire hose to date. And I sat with that and thought, well, what's next? Is it that I don't want to be a VP? And I realized I didn't. Up to that point, I had been chasing the next role. 
and the next role. And the moment I was promoted, I was like, what's next? So I was like the dog that caught the bone and I'm just holding the bone going, now what? Right. And yeah. so that was sort of the, the growing into the, into the role for me at the, at the time. So you get to this role and this was your dream job. This is what you wanted to do. Now you're like, okay, what's next? This isn't what I want. This isn't my passion necessarily. How did you figure out that you wanted to do something outside of corporate that you wanted to start a business? How did that come about? So that was bumpy. All right. So if you're, if you're sitting at home going, okay, where is she going with this? get ready because you know what is about to get real. So I decided, all right, I'm in my dream job. I'm going to swing for the fence. I, and I remember writing it down on an index card it was like my vision and my intention, not the goals that you put in the freaking system, but my mission and my passion for the organization was to transform the way recruiting delivered its services. I knew what worked. I knew what didn't. And I had a good sense of what we needed to really transform recruiting because recruiting had always been the redheaded stepchild. And it turns out that didn't go over well. Oh, yeah. So what I'm hearing is you took an entrepreneurial approach within your corporate job, that entrepreneur spirit, right? Mm -hmm. Applied that to your job, kind of treated this as my baby. I'm, I'm going to take charge here and do something amazing with this because I have this vision for this. And it wasn't well-received. It was not well-received. And admittedly, as I look back at it, that engine, a ship that big, one person doesn't go take it in a different direction. You just don't. And the changes I wanted to make, they just didn't go over well. They really, truly didn't want somebody with an entrepreneurial spirit. And I said, well, crap. And so I started pushing a little more and I'm like, I'm, I'm really committed. Like I need to be all in. And I ended up being put six months into my dream job on a PIP, which for those at home going at the hex a PIP, it's a performance improvement plan. And it's literally something that if you're a high performer, which I was, and I had either met or exceeded expectations for four years, um, straight at the company um, the previous four years, I um, it brought me to my knees because it was a six-page document outlining what I wasn't doing that I needed to be doing. I'll never forget the day that I left with that document. I kept my composure, grabbed my stuff, and sat at my desk and realized, I think my day's done. It was about four o'clock, put my stuff away, went down the elevator, got in my car, pulled out of the parking lot and burst into tears. And I was like, how could my desire to want to do good for the company be so not well-received? Right. And I, I, I got why they were doing it, but at the same time, I also got what I was doing. And I, I was kind of spent that evening, I think, crying and maybe the next day. And I sat on a Saturday morning with the document on my lap and went, this is not going to define me, right? but I do need to figure out what's next because it's definitely not staying here. So what happened then? What did you make a plan? Did you, how long did you stay? What was next? I took that six page document and I made it my credo. I turned it into my list of things that I wanted to do. I knew within 24 hours of being put on that performance improvement plan 
first of all, I knew that I had 90 days to address everything or I was going to be fired, but I knew that I didn't want to be there anymore. I knew it in my, in my gut, in my heart. I didn't know what was next, but I knew that I was done. And this is the part where I started running from instead of running towards a vision. I was like, I am out, but I want to leave with my head held high. So I took that document and in 64 days executed on every single one of those items. I went, I'm going to do what I'm being asked to do. Not what I think needs to be done, but what I'm being asked to do. And I turned it around. I was taken off the PIP. And a month later, I tendered a four-month resignation. So I sat down and told my boss three sentences. I said, I've decided to leave the organization. Um, My decision is final. And I'd like to transition in a smooth and effective way for myself and my clients and train my incumbent, whoever that you guys determine that to be. And I'd like to do that over the course of four months. You're probably thinking like, what about, wait, 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 wait. People give a two week notice. People don't give a four month notice. I'm here to tell you, you can. And in those four months, I started to build my business. There you go. And I love, and we've talked about this because you took the approach of, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm not going to just you know, I'm out of here, right? Just make a jerk reaction to- And trust me, I wanted to so bad that month, not even that Monday, I think that afternoon, no, the manila envelope was slid my way and I opened it. In that moment, it took everything to not go expletive deleted and I'm out of here. Like literally it took everything to not do it. But I think my higher self had a little more control than my ego in that moment, thankfully. And that's a tough thing too. I mean, really being able to pause because there, I always say there's power in pause, right? To be able to pause for a moment, not have that knee jerk reaction, that immediate I'm out of here, leave without a plan, leave with, as we talked about running away from something rather than running towards something and carrying all that baggage with you. That's a power move to be able to do that. Cause I'm sure that was a very challenging, tough thing to do to face, but you came out better on the other side of that for sure. So much. And and I'll tell you the 64 days who I became as a result of going, I'm leaving with my head held high, even though I don't know what to do and I'm out of here. And I was running from what I didn't want instead of running towards a powerful vision who I became in those 64 days changed me. The woman that was put on a PIP and the woman that was taken off the PIP was totally different. And that's an experience that for most people, it would not do that. For most people, it would breed even more resentment. And I was like, no, this is not going to define me. It will not define me. That's amazing. And it's so inspirational, your story. And thank you for sharing it because it's not- that's not something that's always easy for us to talk about, you know, um, these difficult times that we go through and face. And sometimes, you know, things happen in life that we don't have the control over, or that didn't necessarily go our way coming out the other side, so much better. That's so powerful and such an inspiration. That's amazing. Um, and as you, so you gave the four months notice, at that four months time, is that when you started building your plan for what was on the other side of corporate? Yeah. So I'm going to go back in time to the weekend that I was put on my PIP Mm -hmm. and sitting there 
um, my husband and I, and it was Saturday morning and we'd always make coffee and we'd sit there and be birds. It's, it was in at Stapleton, Colorado, and you could hear the birds. It was really quiet. It was maybe 7 a.m. I'm sitting there with the pip on my lap. I'm drinking my latte and he's sitting next to me and I'm like, what do I do now? Cause I'm out. And he's like, why don't you envision your, your perfect day? And I'm like, what do you mean my perfect day? And he's like, your perfect day. Like if you had to repeat the same day, like groundhog day, what would you do? And I'd been, I've, I had lived and breathed this organization right. and poured my heart and soul to a fault that I'm sure they would agree if I went back and was like, yeah, girlfriend, you were going way in on things, but I'm a recovering perfectionist. So that's sometimes what I do. Right. So I had never, I mean, my calendar was primarily dictated by clients and meetings and and my time was spoken for. So the very idea of having a perfect day, I struggled to even wrap my head around it. And I was like, I don't even know where to start. He goes, start with anything today that you would love to do. And immediately I was like, I checked in with myself. I was like, I'd work out. I'd start my day with a workout, with, with a workout. I don't work out most days because I'm either in commute or working or transitioning. And I just, I, I don't have that, that it's a, it's a luxury. He goes, so start your day working out. And I grabbed a piece of paper. It was a yellow pads mm-hmm. and a pen. And I wrote perfect day at the top. And I wrote, 7 a.m. workout. And then before 7 a.m., I was like, well, do I want to wake up at 7 a.m. in my perfect day? I'm like, no, I like kind of waking up at six. I'm a 6 a.m. natural waker upper. So what do you want to do? I'm like, I want to read and meditate between six and seven. And then I want to work out. This is my perfect day. So I get to make the call. And then I was on calls with people. And then I had a lunch with someone. And even though my perfect day has the same feel. Cause I still wake up every day and I read and I meditate and then I work out like to this day, four years later, the first three things I put on my perfect day are the things I still do. And even though the rest of the things shift and evolve and, and you know, I didn't even dream of having podcast recording a podcast on that then, but here I am, it got me started. It helped me take that first step of imagining beyond what I knew was possible and what I even thought to not go for what I thought I could get, but what I really wanted. Because up to that point, I'd gone for what I thought I could get, what was reasonable. Right. That is such a good point. I'm going to stop us here because I think that's something that I want the listeners to think about is writing down what your perfect day looks like. And just like you did, Louisa, so many of us, when we are in the hustle bustle of the corporate world in particular, we're on other people's schedules primarily, we lose sight of what is our perfect day. And, you know, my grandfather used to say, this is not a dress rehearsal. (laughs) We only get one shot at this, right? Life is not a dress rehearsal. So take a moment to figure out what your perfect day looks like. It's a great starting place. And I love that you said the first things that you wrote down are the things that you're still doing today, four years later, after you did your corporate expat transition. Right. And so that's how powerful this is. And that can be the catalyst. Even if you stay in the corporate world or you stay in your job, that can be the catalyst for changing your life. Just little things like that. Imagining that perfect day. It's so powerful. Yep. And it's a lot more rare than people think. 23.4% of people have written a life vision. And that number might even be a little high. 
we don't think about that. Most people live into what I call a reported life where they wake up and there's a job and there's a this and then there's that and then there's picking up the kids and they go, wait, if I could design my life the way I want it to, not that it has to look exactly the same way, but just to dream as kids, we dreamed so much. And then somewhere along the way, we somehow thought that it wasn't cool to dream anymore. And we just fall into the groove of the life, the job, and then the grocery store, and then the this and the that and the this and the that. And I encourage you listening at home or watching, like dream, dare to dream about what you want, about what your perfect day would look like. What would it feel like? What would you do? Would you take a walk in the middle of the day? Would you make an acai bowl and just sit in your kitchen looking out the window for 15 minutes and just enjoy that solitude, who knows what it would be. But I promise you those dreams are in there just waiting to be uncovered. Oh, that is so good. I love that. And as you were doing that, so you had this powerful experience of designing your ideal day and you came up with what you wanted to do from a mission, from a work perspective, like who you wanted to work with and how you wanted to help them that came out of that. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So the truth about it is because I was running from, and this is where you're going to learn from me. I had no idea what I was doing, my friends. I was like, four months, here's what I did. I got a business card. Um, I read, read articles. I did, I started to do my research, started to talk to people, started to have coffee chats that I would say is something that's really smart to do. If you're even thinking of making that transition, start to plant seeds, obviously with people who aren't going to like go on, on a comment to your LinkedIn. So have you put in your notice yet? Like, you know what I mean? Um, but go, I'm considering transitioning out and I'd love to know what was your transition or find people on LinkedIn, send LinkedIn connections requests, find me on social. I'm a real person. Let's talk, right? And start to flex that muscle of what would it be while you're still working? I did not. I knew that I was out. I did some research. I got a business card and I left. And I'll never forget, I left on October 31st went home. It was such an exciting day because it was Halloween. It was my last day. There were kids, employees, kids walking around. It was amazing. And then I woke up on November 1st and I'll never forget. I sat down in my kitchen table. I looked around and I was like, this ball in the pit of my stomach, like just kind of consumed me. And I realized, OMG, I'm unemployed. And that paycheck, that really pretty paycheck is donezo donezo what have I done and you had it on day Day one of leaving what have I done and then I was like okay yeah ain't going back what am I gonna do and one of the reasons why one of the things that I talk about is when you've first made that move is to put systems in place to help you create to create an environment that sets you up for success Find time batches for outreach, for connection, for sales calls, for coffees. Put those blocks and build an expansive and and, and a calendar, a schedule that feels fun and joyful to you, but that helps to keep you accountable. Because what I realized is I had all the time in the world. And there were days, I kid you not, and I'm embarrassed to admit this, where I'm like, oh my God, 
I've just spent the last hour on Instagram and I have nothing to show for it. You've got to be kidding me. Or I've just spent the last hour scrolling on LinkedIn, literally the last hour, and I have nothing to show for it. And so quickly you begin to adjust because that's how we as humans learn. I mean, we, 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 we learn, we're designed to learn, but it was, it was really interesting. The, the, the leaving and, um, sat down one weekend with my husband to answer your question and went, what do you want to do? I was like, babe, I don't know what I want to do. And this ties to another one of the tenants that I think is really powerful and important is find your peeps, that virtual board of directors. For me, it was my husband because he'd been a consultant about 15 years at that point when I left. So in terms of a sounding board, it could be anyone. It could be a neighbor. It could be a friend. It could be somebody that you've seen on social. It could be one of us, right? Hey, I've got a couple questions. I mean, there's more people out there that want to support and want to help than you think. You think they don't, but people do because along the way, and listen to this really carefully, guys, every one of us has had support. Every one of us has needed support in this transition. So nobody figures it all out alone. Like Brene Brown says, we're not meant to life alone. We never were meant to. And so at the end of that weekend, I sat down and I had my plan. I was like, here's who I serve. Here's how I serve them. Here's kind of my avatar. And it was about six or eight hours over the course of the weekend. But we, I dialed it in. I was like, I need to have something, a backdrop as a place where I'm coming from for any one of these conversations. And even though it evolved and shifted multiple times, it gave me a place to come from. And that meant everything at the beginning when it felt like every day I'd wake up and my compass on my, my north, it was just spinning. The dial on my compass was just spinning. This gave me a directionality. I didn't have to go north, but I knew where north was. I love that. I love that. It It's so important to have that. And I think, I love that you shared that it evolved too over time because some people think you have to make a decision and then this is what you have to do. And if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. And that's definitely not the way it works in being an entrepreneur. There has to be that flexibility. You figure things out. I know my ideal client has evolved quite significantly over the course of the last several years. And I see that across most businesses as well. So it doesn't have to be set in stone. It can't there, but you need to have something to give you some direction. What else did you do to prepare? Did you need to, so you, you figured out who you wanted to work with. What next? Did you start taking, you know, certification or you had so many skills coming from HR and, um, and from the corporate world that I'm sure that those kind of transitioned over into setting up a business for yourself quickly, how did that evolve or what did you need to do to get set up? So for me, I leveraged the big name that I'd left. So I reached out to contacts. I was just, I was doing coffees. Like I filled up my calendar with anywhere between three and five. And, you know, this was in 2017. So everyone was doing in-person coffee dates. Now they're all virtual or most of them are. Um, But I filled up my calendar with coffee dates and I was just, I was like, I've left and now I'm doing this. I'm a consultant helping companies between one and 3 billion with their talent needs. And do you know someone? And I just talked to people. Some people had advice. Some people had connections. Some people said, you should talk to this person. And I just, I got out and rolled up my sleeves and started connecting and talking about it. Because when you talk about who you serve and how you serve them, right? Just 
pick a direction, do the work, do your research, pick who your ideal client avatar might be, and then get out there and start talking about it and start creating with your word. You're literally creating yourself over and over and over and over. And then I'm like, this is rolling off my tongue a little easier. And it doesn't roll off your tongue by sitting at home reading about it. It rolls off your tongue by going out there and being about it. I joined a co-working space. I was looking at communities to join. Was it maybe the chamber? And I explored my different routes, but I went out there and got in community and got started connecting with people and started with my immediate, if you imagine like a series of concentric circles, you've got the community at large, you've got your network, and then you've got the people you knew. So once I had left, some of the people that I had worked with reached out and said, hey, if you know anyone, or if you need anyone, or if you need any introductions, or if there's any, any way that I can help. And I was like, you want to help? Yes, you can. You can help me. Let's find some time to chat and not be and be bold enough to when somebody goes, how can I help go? This is how you can help and have those sound bites ready for how people can help you. Maybe it's an introduction. Maybe it's just letting you rehearse. Maybe it's soundboarding. This is who I serve and how I serve them. Does this resonate with you or anyone you know? And just create yourself again and again and again. I think that's so important too, because I know for so many people that I talk to, when they leave the corporate world, they were up here, right? They were a certain level of success that they had experienced and they had, you know, moved up multiple levels of the ladder, so to speak. And then they feel like when they become an entrepreneur, that they're not at that same high level that they're starting over essentially, but you're not to your point you know, all these people and they know you and your personal brand. And now's the time to reach out and people are willing yes. to help. So I think that's so powerful that that part of your story too, to share that, because that holds a lot of people back in the very beginning, especially when, you know, they're kind of like, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, this is all new to me. It can be a little overwhelming, but I think having your board of directors, like you mentioned, and also reaching out to your network, who, you know, sharing what you're doing makes all yeah. the difference. Yeah. What are some things that you wish you had done a little earlier when you started your business? Cause I know we totally. all have those <laughs> invested in support. Talk about that. I'd love to hear that because the skill sets that you have, right. As a director of a function, I was essentially running a four and a half million dollar business within the organization. Mm -hmm. So you think in your mind, well, I've got all these skill sets in the corporate world, they're gonna translate. And a lot of them, to your point, do. A lot of them don't because you had a marketing department and there was finance and there was operations and there was HR and there was a CEO. Even though you ran your own business, there was a CEO and now you are the chief marketing officer. You're the chief finance officer. You're the CEO. You're the COO. Like you're all of that and you can't do it alone. And there's ways that are low cost. There's high ticket investments. There's mid ticket. Like don't think, oh, well, investing, that's going to cost a lot of money. I promise you one of the most powerful 
automation and efficiency tools that I have had bought in my business in the last four years cost me $69 from a gal on Instagram called Work Well with Kate. $69. It's a series of Asana templates. It changed my world. I didn't get it until my second year or maybe my third year, right? So find and know that it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. Give yourself you know, but build that runway as best you can financially so that you're not in survival mode. You can keep yourself in a little bit of thrive and then invest in support and invest in community. And in community, it's investing time and energy. Find those like-minded people. They are out there. There's an organization called Fem City In Denver, there's an organization called Rise. I mean, there are so many communities out there where you're shoulder to shoulder with people who look just like you, who have made the transition and who go, I get what you're doing. I get where you are. I get what you feel. And that is priceless. If I could go back and do it, I would have done that sooner. I agree with you on that because- Having that in common, you can have those conversations when you're in the workplace, think about the people that you talk about business with all the time. Some people call them their work spouse or, you know, your (laughs) right. When in the entrepreneur world, it's kind of your business besties or that circle that you can go to when you have challenges that some of your friends are not going to understand because they're still employees and they can't relate. They're like, yeah, "Yeah, oh, that's tough. I don't know what to tell you. But you might, you've developed these new entrepreneurial friends and you can go to them and say, oh my gosh, I'm having this issue. I don't know what to do. They have, they have your back. They will help you give you advice. Oh, that happened to me too. I hired someone. It wasn't working out. Here's what I did. Or I had trouble learning that system too. To your other point about how you're having to now wear all these hats Getting that support is so important too, because you are CEO of your business. You don't want that to mean chief everything officer, right? We talked about that. (laughs) It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Exactly right. So, and it doesn't, I love what you said about, it doesn't have to cost a lot because I think that's a lot of the apprehension that people have. They think starting up a business is going to cost them a fortune. Today, it's not that, it's not that expensive to get started. No, but you definitely have to invest in yourself, right? To your point. Yep. Yep. I mean, the ROI of investing in yourself is priceless. I will invest in myself all day, every day and twice on Sunday. (laughs) That's so good. I love that. (laughs) So that that's, um, you know, so important to, to invest in yourself and those lessons, you know, I share those too. I wish I had done some of those things earlier on as an entrepreneur as well. And that's what I wanted to bring to the listeners too, to, to learn from us where we wish we had done things a little bit sooner that could have made our journey a little bit easier. You know, those lessons learned are so valuable. The last thing I'll say that's really important about rising to, like you said, growing and being promoted to a certain level and then feeling like, oh my gosh, I'm like starting over is to remember you are not starting over. It's called a transition for a reason because you bring all those skill sets. And the biggest mistake that I think people in the transition make is that they judge how they feel on the inside with how others look on the outside. Do not make that mistake. How you feel on the inside 
has nothing to do with how others look on the outside. They may have been in their fifth year. So I've got friends that were building their business for four years before they left their corporate job. You have other people who took the leap and were running from something and, and, and a four month runway is all they gave themselves. So the, everyone's journey looks different. No one is better than you and you are better than no one. That mantra of shoulder to shoulder, we're all doing the best we can to do the best we can is a mantra that I wish I had is we're all navigating the same storm, right? We're not all in the same boat, but we're all navigating the same storm. Oh, that's so well said. Louisa, what is your favorite thing about being an entrepreneur? My freedom, the freedom to serve how I want to create, to go this idea looks good. And now mind you, it's a double-edged sword because it's all on me. That radical responsibility where you're just like, this idea is amazing. And then you go and it goes to market and then it goes womp, womp, womp. That's on you, but it's all learning and you grow from those and you evolve. And I would not trade it for the world, the freedom of my time, the freedom of my energy, the freedom to create, to work. I mean, my husband and I live half the year in Florida and the other half we work and travel remotely. And I get to do that right in 2021. There's probably a lot more people doing it than they used to, but I was doing it before then, right? I was, I've, I've, I've been able to work and travel remotely since 2017, pretty much when I want, I've had some clients that I would see in person, but that freedom of my time is priceless. Definitely. That's yeah. so amazing and inspiring. And that also helps you with your clients too. Um, you have that freedom. You're, you're free to help them in different ways. So let's talk just a little bit about that, how you help your clients as well. Yeah. So my folks are in their business. They've been doing it for a few years and they're ready for more. They want to create that next level, but there's a couple things they're struggling with. There's, well, what if I screw up what I've got because I'm trying to play a bigger game? What if I lose this and I don't get that, right? Or I want more, but I don't know where to start. I don't know how to do it because all I know is what I've been doing, right? And a lot of times that comes down to the energy, to the tools, to the infrastructure. Maybe it's a vision, right? What does you know, a one year vision look like as best you can imagine from where you are, if you're in the middle of this transition and you want to take your business to the next level, is it playing a bigger game? Is it serving a different audience? Is it launching a podcast? Is it writing that book, right? And it's moving past those limiting beliefs and those energetic blocks and energetic leaks, optimizing what you have so that you have the space to step into something new. Other times, it's simply increasing the visibility to yourself so that you can become more visible to the world. Because if you're not visible to yourself, you can't be more visible to the world. And so you may have hit a visibility ceiling and we punch through that ceiling. I love that. I love that analogy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. So, um, and I'm sure that you've had so many success stories and you know, getting to work with who you want to work with and how you want to work with them, that kind of freedom is just priceless. That's such a yeah. beautiful thing. So parting words, words of wisdom and amazement to share with the audience here. Ah, 
I'm gonna, it's going to be a recap of some of the things I've already said. Join a community. Don't feel like you've got to do this alone. You don't have to. You don't need to. It's going to make the journey so much more nutritive is when you are able to share collectively, provide input for other people and serve their journey and allow them to serve you. There's something about that give and take to allow yourself to be served and to serve that is really, really nourishing to the journey. Um, Write out your vision. I do every roughly six months to a year, a new business vision and it's pen to paper. I put a date up at the top and I write it in present tense. Like I've written it to Oprah. I've written visions to Einstein. I've written it to my father who's passed away. I've written it to living dead people, famous people, non-famous people. I'm like, holy shit, you're not going to believe the last year. And I paint a picture, right? Because we can't create out here what we don't first see in here. And the simplest way to do that is sometimes a business vision or what does your perfect day look like? Dare to sit down and dream and imagine what you want, not what you think you can get. Dare to sit down and dare to dream. I love that. Yeah, That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Louisa, yes, for being of course. here. I, I love this. Such a good conversation. Where can people find you? So I'm on, my website is louisamilano.com. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram under Louisa Milano Coaching, all one word, no spaces. And I'm a real person on those platforms. So if there's something about this episode that really sparked you, that really lit you up and got you leaning forward toward the screen or, or, or toward your phone or got you to pick up and go, where is this? Where is this book? Cause I'll sometimes when I, when I'm really loving a part of a podcast, I'll go, what? Okay. This was at one seventeen, you know, or, or, or 42 minutes in or 28 minutes in, um, post about it on social and tag us and let us know what your biggest insight is. And you never know what might come of it. Somebody might see it or might go, wait, you're doing that? Or what do you, you, you never know where things will go when you plant those little seeds of possibility. So, and if you have a question or you want to reach out to me, please do so. Like I said, I'm a real person on Instagram. I respond to all my DMs. I do all my own social media. Me as well. And we have that in common. Definitely. Yes. Thank you again, Louisa. I really appreciate having you here. Of course. It was great to be here. Thank you. Bye for now. Thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support this podcast, please hit subscribe, leave a rating and review, share it with others or post about it on social media for show notes, links, to connect with guests and more, visit us at corporate-expat.com. And be sure to catch the next episode with more insights and inspiration to support your corporate expat experience. Bye for now.